Cool evening, ghouls and fiends. Welcome once again to another edition of the Ministry of Horror. I'm your host, Tez, and uh, this is going out live on the MOS Network, Tuesdays, 8pm UK, 3pm Eastern, or if you're catching this on VOD, uh, or audio platforms later on. Hello, good evening, how's it going? Hi. Uh, cool. It's been an action-packed week, as 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 everyone, every week seems to be. Uh, we did um, we did the MOS on Sunday. That was a really fun show. Um, had a lot of fun on that one. I I listened back and I was cackling away throughout big portions of that show. Uh, and we also did some recordings. We recorded our best of and worst of for wrestling for the year. So those will be going out um, as recordings over the next two weeks. So, uh, yeah, be sure to check those out. Give the videos a like. Um, you know, or just check them out on your audio platforms. It's all good. It's all gravy. Um, other than that, not really done, uh, not really done that much. Not really done that much. Had a Christmas meal with some old work friends. Uh, I watched yesterday. Yeah, it was last night. It was either last night or it was Sunday. I think it was last night. A christmas horror film that will be in our reviews which will then lead us through to our main portion of the show and we're looking at some yuletide horrors uh as always this isn't an extensive list i'll try to condense it to uh to a few choice selections now i'm well aware i'm gonna have missed out a lot and i'm gonna be honest there's a lot of christmas horror that i just haven't seen or hasn't really stuck with me. I'm not a big fan of Christmas, I'll be honest with you. Um but you know, I'm going to try I'm trying to make a bit of an effort this year trying. So I've watched uh either recently or ones that I know that I've seen in the last few years, some Christmas-based horror films and we're going to be talking about them a bit later on. There's a bit of variety in there. Um but if I've missed a particular favorite of yours from the Christmas period, I am sorry. I do apologize get over it <laughs> we got fran in the chat hey fran also got baby ice um hey how's it going baby ice barrow was robbed what up gang but i'm sorry you can't say barrow was robbed when he even admitted it was an easy one it was an easy one um you know i'm, I'm sorry look i have to sit in that hot seat every other week usually and sometimes I get it right very quickly. Other times it has gone a bit close to the wire. Um, you know, that's just that's just how the game goes. Uh, <laughs> baby Ice, maybe, you know, give, a, give us a call in on another show and maybe you'll get put under the 211 quiz spotlight. <laughs> um, baby Ice says in the chat, I watched the Tarantino documentary, the original Django and the homework. It was a long two nights. I can't remember what the homework was. Oh, yeah, I should probably bring up those details. Um, let me bring that up for discussion. But you did your homework, so that is that. You know that's good. That's commendable. That is commendable. Uh, let's just move that across to there. Okay. So without further ado, I think it's about time that we uh, we got on with the show. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Understand? Exactly. So let's look at. The latest in horror news. Do we have any new horror films this week? Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. So what we'll do, and uh, as usual, all this news, I, I 
curate, well, I don't curate, uh, is curated from bloodydisgusting.com. Be sure to give them a check out. Um, really cool new site. Uh, so first up, we have some video game news. Puppet Master The Game. Open beta announced for March 2023. New game mode revealed. A little over a year ago, it was revealed that October Games was working with Full Moon Features to create a video game based on the Puppet Master series. Well, a year on, and the first developer log for Puppet Master The Game has revealed several goodies, including contributor to BD, uh, Blood Disgusting, Nat Bremer, who wrote Puppet Master Complete a Franchise History, having worked on the game. So I should say this was written up by Mike Wilson. Currently slated... Oh, for God's sake. Uh, currently slated to be released in, op in open beta on March 1st, 2023. The first devlog for the asymmetrical multiplayer game features lead designer Drake Kazmierczek and lead audio designer Nicholas Hay chatting it up about the project, including the exploration of why the game won't be released this year. Part of this is due to a new game mode being added called Toulon's Journals, a single-player sandbox mode where you can complete challenges, earn experience points, and find the lost pages of Andre Toulon's journal. Um, Nat Bremer handled the writing duties for the journal pages, which act as an audio log that you can discover in the game's environments. Finding one allows you to hear Andre Toulon as he recalls his history with the puppets while you play the game. Thankfully, you'll also be able to listen to them at your own convenience outside of the game once they've been unlocked. Another mechanic the developers are working on for the open beta is adding bot support. This will allow players to play all of Puppet Master the game's future human versus puppet game modes as either a solo or co-op experience. If, however, you want to get in on the game prior to the open beta, October Games will be hosting closed beta sessions, which will also be coming next year. The closed beta announcements take place in October Games Discord, so click, click the link to get in on that. So I think there is a... Hmm. It says click the link, but I don't see... Oh, okay, there's a link for the Discord. So I'll, I'll drop that in the chat. If you're interested, you could potentially play the closed beta. There we go. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's a asymmetrical multiplayer game. That is the rage. And I guess with certain properties, such as uh, Puppet Master, Killer Clowns from Outer Space... I guess it makes sense to put it in a 1v4 or 4v7 or whatever the kind of the, the workings are for, you know, the, the setup. I guess with those sort of things, there's not... You could argue with Puppet Master, there's been so many films that there's such a lot of lore to, to pull back from, to, uh, you know, to pull, to pull from for a story. But does Joe Public know the Puppet Master lore and stories? No, they may be aware of, you know some of the uh some of the puppets and you, your general horror fan more so than joe public may well be aware of you know oh okay that's spike that's you know the, the the leech lady but they may well not have seen all 10 or 15 puppet master films and obviously killer clowns has only got the one film so but then I, I guess with those it makes sense doing it that way something like evil dead which again i keep banging on about it we do need to do a, a group game at some point um I guess I would prefer to see with that single-player game. We've had a number of them in the past. They've been mediocre to bad. Um, uh, it's, yeah, I, I guess I'd have liked to have seen, you know, a, a good kind of story mode with that sort of thing. 
Uh, Fran in the chat. It's also because the idea is human opponents are more unpredictable than AI. For horror, you want unpredictability. Yeah, I guess so. I guess for me, I, I just, uh, you know, I say ad nauseum. I say it on a weekly basis here on my Twitch streams, twitch.tv forward slash Tezius. Um, I say it ad nauseum that I, I'm a gamer that doesn't game for a challenge. I game for a story. I like a good narrative. I like a good experience. Um, if there's good gameplay that goes along with it, great. As long as the gameplay isn't a hindrance, you know, I'm, 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 I'm down for the journey. Um, but I don't, I don't game for like, you know, I guess if I want my mindless game, and I play something like FIFA, obviously I know football or soccer isn't for everyone, um, but that's kind of where I get that. So for me, it's, I don't know, I, I, if I play a few games, I guess, of Evil Dead, I do enjoy it, but I always find that I never have that urge to get back in like people who you know who play cod or play other games like dead by daylight who will go oh let's do a good let's do a good session tonight and tomorrow and whatever i just i've never really got into that myself but um i mean it's exciting news for for horror fans especially fans of the puppet master series you're getting a game at some point next year open beta is in march the first so let's move on one mile actor producer ryan Felipe runs from murderous cult in new film and sequel okay seems a bit presumptuous to have a sequel to a new film uh actor ryan Philippe, i know what he did last summer wish upon is set to produce and star in one mile and a sequel that sees his character in pursuit of a murderous cult if that's not enough deadline reports that one mile and its sequel has been greenlit to be shot back to back and distributed by paramount global content distribution Hmm. I mean, well, there's a bit to there's a bit to go on, and we will read on. Um. I get it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I, we know my gripe with instead of going, we're going to do a new sequel, or we're going. To, I, I, I guess this is an original property, so maybe I will take my kind of initial gripe of this sequel trilogy thing. You know, Halloween. Um. Uh, whatever it was, The Exorcist, and I think potentially, supposedly David Gordon Green, I don't know if this is 100% confirmed, supposedly he's also going to be doing a new Hellraiser series for HBO Max. We've only just had a new film. Um, I don't know if it's going to be connected or whatnot, but at first, b before watching Halloween Kills or Ends, I'd have probably been like, oh, David Gordon Green's in another horror film, awesome. Now, after watching the last two films, and I'm trying to limit the time I the time I say the name of that last one because I know it winds people up. Hearing his name associated with a new horror uh, sequel creates more apprehension than excitement. But I guess with this, they're shooting the film and its sequel back to back. They've been greenlit, so there isn't the presumption of we're going to make this film. And we're already working on the sequel and all that, blah, blah, blah. I, okay, I guess take everything on its own merit. If if the studio have believed in the script that it can cover a film and a sequel, um, okay, fair dues. I will, I will be optimistic. Um, but when I hear a film of a character in pursuit of a murderous cult, I think, okay, that's interesting. But I hear that that's a film that's already got a sequel already in the works. I sort of think, Okay, there's got to be a bit more to it, because if it's just a man in pursuit of a murderous cult, there's got to be some stakes, or there's got to be some developments for it to be able to cover two films straight off the bat. But anyway, I'm digressing. 
In the film, after his release from prison, a father, played by Philippe, tries to reconnect with his daughter by taking her on a college tour, but they find themselves battling for more than their relationship when a murderous cult living, living in the woods pursues them. John Hlavin, Underworld Awakening and The Man Who Fell to Earth, is writing and executive producing both One Mile and its immediate sequel. The films are based on an idea by producer Aaron Kaplan's daughter, Jaden Kaplan, who will serve as a producer. Deadline also reported that Jaden Kaplan, currently a junior at Duke, came up with the idea for One Mile while she and her dad were on a college tour in the Northeast in 2019 and were driving on a particularly desolate highway surrounded by woods on one side and half-frozen lakes on the other. In other words, One Mile will find likely will find likely find okay, that's pretty bad. Um, sorry, will likely find the estranged father and daughter completely isolated in the wilderness while running for their lives from the murderous cult. Philippe and Halavin previously collaborated on the USA Network series Shooter. Shooter is one of those films and series I've always thought I should probably give that a go. Never have. One Mile marks Capital Entertainment's first foray into features. Producing for Capital are Aaron Kaplan, Brian Morwitz, and Michael Lohman. Kevin Merko will, is the executive in charge. Okay. Okay. I'm still thinking that the idea of being pursued by a murderous cult from the woods sounds interesting, but for two films? Hmm. Okay. Baby Eyes in the chat. I play WWE 2K so I can stomp a mod hole into Mustafa Ali on a weekly basis. Are you not a fan of Mustafa Ali? <laughs> um, and Baby Eyes also says either his daughter is killed in the first one and is going back for revenge in the sequel, or his daughter joins the cult in the first film and is off to save her in the sequel. Uh, Hassan Terrell's in the chat. Hey, Hassan. Hi there. Did you see Ring of Honor Final Battle and NXT Deadline last Saturday night? No, I, I haven't... Uh... I haven't caught either. We did a uh, a review with Bericles as a guest on Sunday's show of Ministry of Slam. Uh, and I think we talked about the deadline results there as well. So uh, if you haven't had a chance, Hassan, um, check that out on the YouTube or audio archives. But um, no, I've not seen either uh, myself. Not, no, I'm not that invested in Ring of One. I heard it's a good show, but again, we we talk about that on the on the Ministry of Slam. My my feelings of the presentation of Ring of Honor and why I'm not that interested at the moment. Uh, but yeah, baby eyes, I think you're on something there. Those are probably the two the two ideas. I think what that does make me think, especially with this being sequels being shot, the sequel being shot back to back, is that it's going to be one of those films where we're probably going to expect a uh cliffhanger ending um and do cliffhanger endings do i enjoy them in films as much as tv probably not probably not um i guess that depends it depends i'll wait till i kind of see a trailer for this the premise okay we'll see we'll see uh, i'm just gonna have a quick look to see if we've got anything for new films no i don't think so okay we'll move on so moving on now, I've seen the poster for this, but I haven't actually watched the teaser yet. Uh, Sam Raimi produced sci-fi thriller 65 gets intense teaser ahead of tomorrow's trailer debut. Sam Raimi has joined forces with The Quiet Place writers Scott Beck and Brian Woods for 65, uh, and a brand new teaser ahead of tomorrow's full trailer debut hints at an exciting creature feature in store. This is uh, written up by Megan Navarro. Blow disgusting. The teaser begs the question, what's lurking in the cave? Is Driver's character equipped to handle it? More importantly, will tomorrow's trailer show us? The original sci-fi thriller stars Adam Driver, 
Ariana Greenblatt and Chloe Coleman. The movie has been bumped around a few times in the last couple of years, and we've learned tonight that it's now currently dated for March 10th, 2023 from Columbia Pictures. In 65, an astronaut who crash lands on a mysterious planet discovers that he is not alone. Not much is known about the project as of yet, but according to Collider, Driver will play an opioid addict who has become a helpless shadow of his former self. After a catastrophic accident, Driver's character joins forces with a nine-year-old girl who speaks a different language, and the two of them must work together to survive. Okay, Scott Beck and Brian Woods will direct from their own original screenplay. Beck and Woods, who helmed Halloween Slasher Haunt, which I would recommend giving that a watch, uh, previously collaborated with Raimi on Quibi anthology series 50 States of Fright. They wrote and directed the episode Almost There, Iowa. 65 isn't the only Raimi-produced horror feature currently slated for a 2023 release. Lee Cronin's Evil Dead Rise is also slated to arrive next year. Okay, okay. Uh, looking at the chat, baby, yeah, definitely a cliffhanger ending for the first one for that uh, one mile film. And uh, John, welcome to the chat, John. Tony Khan is a horrible booker. <laughs> uh, it, 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 uh, booking hasn't really been amazing uh, <laughs> for AW this year, but it, there's been some decent things in the past. It's not at, it's not out of the realms that we'll have that in the future. But yeah, that's that's more chat for the the wrestling show. Uh, the wrestling show, John, which we do on Sundays. Uh, this is our weekly horror show. Um, but I don't mind talking little, little bits of wrestling here and there. So that, I mean, yeah, 65 does sound interesting. There is a teaser I've... It's 25 seconds long, so I'll just put it on mute. Um, so it's got tomorrow, Adam Driver waking up. It's all very dark and grey. Uh, he's in some sort of cave, he's seeing something, he's got a sci-fi gun, he's with a young girl, looking scared, he's got like a light on his shoulder, the gun looks pretty cool, okay, don't really, doesn't really give away too much, that's fine, but we've got a trailer apparently dropping today. Next up, landlocked trailer, found footage horror turns home videos into lo-fi chiller. Okay, lo-fi chill. I do like lo-fi music, so... Well, I like lo-fi chills. I'll put up a link in the chat for this, because we sh do have a trailer here. Coming January 6th, 2023, is a feature directorial debut of Paul Owens, Landlocked, a creative new horror movie that incorporates uh, actual footage in the form of childhood home videos. Uh, Landlocked's use of a family's original home videos to create a fictional horror story results in unconventional found footage that combines documentary and narrative filmmaking um oh thank you fran we were getting spammed by pornos a brand new trailer below reveals ominous imagery lurking beneath the surface when a man returns to his childhood home and discovers an old camera are there memories or something far more sinister the film features a cast of real life family members playing fictionalized versions of themselves in landlocked summoned to his soon-to-be-demolished childhood home Mason discovers an old VHS camera that can see into the past, driving him to record as many memories as possible before the doomed house is destroyed. Utilising the director's own home movies, filming the actual locations where he spent his youth, and casting real-life family members to play fictionalised versions of themselves, Landlocked combines narrative and documentary with horror and sci-fi to create a movie unlike any other. 
Okay, well, that does sound kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. The mixture of, like, real-life home movie footage and mentioning, like, documentary. I haven't watched the trailer. The trailer is in the link uh, that I put in the chat. It does kind of make me think of some films like uh, we all, We're All Going to the World's Fair and uh, another film kind of similar to that where, on the surface, the premise sounds interesting but I couldn't help but be disappointed by the actual film and it's, in my impression, the lack of progression in it. Um, maybe it just wasn't for me. I'm not going to say it was bad or anything, but I remember being kind of disappointed because I thought the poster artwork looked quite interesting. The uh, the premise on paper looked quite interesting, but ultimately the product at the end did nothing for me. Um, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. It could just be me. This sounds kind of interesting. I'll give it a check out sooner, you know, sooner sooner it comes out. Next up, A24 news. Ari Aster's Disappointment Boulevard is now titled Boo is Afraid with poster reveal. A24 deba debuted a first look today at the new project uh, by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsummer. We've previously done a show on the, on those two films. Um... Bew is dead. Formerly titled Disappointment Boulevard, the film is described as an intimate decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. A24 revealed a poster below of what appears to be star Joaquin Phoenix's character from a young age in pyjamas. No plot details at this time, but A24 shared in a tweet that uh, we can expect Bew is afraid to arrive next year. Parker Posey, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Denny Menashe, Hayley Squires, Michael Gandolfini, and Zoe Lister-Jones have joined a cast that also includes Nathan Lane, Patti Lepone, Amy Ryan, and Kylie Rogers. It's also worth noting that Astor previously helmed a horror comedy short titled Bio, or Bo in 2011. The short's plot sees a man undergoing a sinister, haunting chain of events when he loses his keys while on his way to visit his mother. There's no, no confirmed connection between his short and Boo is Afraid at this time, however. This will be Asta's third feature behind Midsummer and Hereditary, all three collaborations with A24. Uh, Asta had teased last year that his next film would be a nightmare comedy. I mean, at this stage, I'm kind of all in with an Ari Asta film. I think it sounds very, very... Uh, I, I, I guess the... The plot doesn't necessarily make me think horror straight off the bat. Probably isn't horror. Uh, it's not a bad thing. Um, I guess with Ari Aster's previous films, you could almost look at them as not straight out horrors. They do have their horror elements and go down those routes, you know, more prominently in the second halves. Uh, but I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I've I've enjoyed the films I've seen of him so far. He um, he kind of to me feels like the newer uh, generation but on a larger scale of, of Ty West. And Ty West is kind of back in a big way in, in the horror world with X and Pearl and Maxine coming out later. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this. Down with this, down to definitely check it out. Don't really know too much about it. And sometimes I think that's best to just not really know a lot about it and kind of go into into things fairly blind. But this will be a, a next year release. I don't think we've got a confirmed date as of yet. So... Want to keep an eye out for guys. Now back to some gaming news. House of the Dead remake, Limmy Dead Edition, is now available on PlayStation 4. 
Um, this comes from uh, Mike Wilson right up. If you're still looking for a gift for your horror gaming family and friends, Microids and Forever Entertainment have a potential solution with the House of the Dead Remake Limited Edition, which is now available for PlayStation 4. The Xbox version will be coming next year. In case you missed it, the uh, Limmy Dead edition includes the remake itself, as well as an exclusive lenticular box, two character stands, and a sticker sheet. Previously, publisher Microids had released the Limmy Dead edition for the Nintendo Switch version of the game back in May. Uh, Fans all know the story by now. But for you newcomers, me, uh, Sega's classic light gun shooter sees renowned biochemist and geneticist Dr. Roy Curian uh, discover the secrets of life and death. However, in doing so, he unleashes the living dead upon the unsuspecting populace. In response, his former colleagues Sophie Richards uh, requests assistance from her friends at AMS, Thomas Rogan and Agent G. Their mission is simple. Stop the Doctor's Macabre project and save all the employees of the lab. The House of the Dead remake was originally released on Nintendo Switch digitally on April 7th of this year, with the PS4, Xbox One, and PC via Steam on April 28th. Uh, he's hoping for the remake of the sequel next year. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I've probably played a House of the Dead game back in the day um, at... At, at an arcade i never really know what the story is but then again i never really know the story was in uh time crisis uh i've never really played these light gun games at home and if i have it's been kind of like a short brief thing because as i've just noticed in the chat around the can say i love house of the De- dead but it needs a light gun um yeah i can't imagine playing it with a controller personally i don't know maybe they've worked out the controls so it feels a bit more fluid on a controller but um yeah, I mean, if if you enjoyed the original, there's a remake coming out. Let's have a look at what we've got in the chat. So about the pro- previous film, Fran Akan says, The Premise gives me Butterfly Effect Project Almanac vibes. Why do I feel like I've seen Project Almanac, or it sounds familiar? Um, the, the, the film isn't popping into my head, but I def- the title just sounds like something I may have caught or been aware of. Uh, Matt Wyatt, hey, how's it going, Matt? Can't hang around for the live show tonight, but if we're talking Christmas horror, then a Christmas horror story. I haven't been able to include that because I just I ran out of time to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. It is on, it's either on Prime or Shudder. Um, if it's on Prime, maybe we'll do it as Friday's Watch Party film. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, Black Christmas, and Rare Exports. Fran Cannon, but don't watch the uh, House of the Dead movie. It's an Uwe Bowl film. Says it all. Um, Matt Wyatt also says Silent Night, The Dorm That Drip Blood, and Don't Open Till Christmas are must-watches. We'll catch the podcast tomorrow. Uh, no worries, Matt. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a choice selection. You may have mentioned one or two of them there. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's going to be plenty that I've, that I've missed out, unfortunately. But hopefully we can talk about some of the ones you've uh, you've mentioned. Eddie Hickey's in the chat. Hey, how's it going, Eddie? Um, bit busy this week, so I'll be... Um, I'm not busy this week, so I'll be here all week. Nice. Good stuff, Eddie. Thank you for popping by. My name's not Earl. Better late than never. And Meryl's here as well. Hey, Meryl, how's it going? My name's not Earl. Awesome. Awesome stuff, guys. So, let's move on. We've got two more little bits of news before we look at this week's review. Now, this is sad news. I saw this, I think, I think it was yesterday it dropped. Um, and I put it in the Discord because I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. Um, Twin Peaks and Elm Street Dream Warriors composer Angelo Badalamenti has passed away. 
a legendary Emmy-nominated composer known for his work with David Lynch. Uh, Blood Disgusting have learnt the sad news uh, that Angelo Badalamenti has passed away at the age of 85. Born on March 22, 1937 in New York City, Angelo Badalamenti earned three Primetime Emmy Awards nominations for the musical composition and main title theme music he contributed to David Lynch's Twin Peaks. And Badalamenti also composed the scores for Lynch's movies including Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and Mulholland Drive. In 1991, Badalamenti's Twin Peaks theme won him a Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance, cementing its status as one of the all-time great TV themes. With nearly 100 credits under his belt, Angelo Badalamenti also scored countless other movies, including A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Wild at Heart, The City of Lost Children, Arlington Road, The Beach, Secretary, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist, Dark Water, and The Wicker Man. Angelo Badalamenti more recently reunited with David Lynch for Twin Peaks, The Return, which was just awesome to have that music back, which featured material from the original score along with brand new compositions. Uh, I'll pop a link in the chat where you can check out. They've got a couple of clips of his, uh, his themes. Uh, but yeah, sad news. Sad news there. Um, and then finally on the news, I'll just have one little last look to see if there's anything, any new horror films. Nah, 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 nah. Finally, now this kind, this is pretty interesting. I think I've got the original on DVD or Blu-ray somewhere. I don't know if I've ever watched it. Um, links in the chat. The Mutilator Two official poster release for the upcoming sequel to the 1984 slasher movie. All these years later, the 1984 slasher movie The Mutilator is getting an official sequel and filming wrapped earlier this year. Today, the official poster art has been released. Buddy Cooper returned to write and direct the decades later sequel to the slasher he made back in the 1980s. While you wait for more, check out the new poster below. Terry Kaiser of Friday the 13th Part 7 and Weekend at Bernie's and Damien Maffield's The Strangers, Pray at Night and Haunt star alongside Ruth Martinez and Bill Hitchcock from the original. Shane Morrow and Eva Hamilton will also star. Alexander Taylor um, God, uh, signed on to score the upcoming sequel, Blood Disgusting Has Learnt. Taylor said in the statement, I'm so honoured and excited to be part of the Mutilator franchise. One of the best parts of this is the fact that Buddy Cooper is back. It's rare for a legacy film to have the original writer and director come back, so you know that it's going to be special. Buddy and I already have some cool themes and wild ideas for the score. Um, so I know that the original is quite well regarded in, in, in horror fandom. It's not... You know, it's not known to the widespread audience like a like a Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street is. But uh, initially, when I see that there's a sequel to one of these uh, old school films, you know, slashes from the eighties, I sort of think, ah, oh, cash grab. You know, oh, they're using the name to try and sell it. But the fact that this has got the original writer and director involved means that. Yeah, okay, there's going to be there's there's going to be some connective tissue there to the original. It's not just going to be a case of slap the name on it and see if we can use that to sell to sell tickets, you know. My name is not on the chat. I need to see the first mutilator. Yeah, so so do I. I don't know where my copy is, but I definitely remember having the DVD 
many years ago. I don't think I ever got around to watching it. I think this might it might be on Shudder, and if that's the case, I may I may watch it after the show. Let me just have a quick look. The Mutilator. Uh, oh damn! It's on Prime Video. Oh, it's on Shudder. <laughs> I was about to say. Well, that's our that's our watch party for for Friday sorted. Uh, Shudder have had some cool things come on there recently. They've got the original Maniac on there now, which uh, if people haven't seen is is great. I do actually prefer the remake, um, scandalous as it is to say that, of um, Maniac with Elijah Wood. I just like the concept. The music in it is banging. The music is so good. Um, but yeah, the Mutilator. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to add that to my uh, my watch list. Let me just do that now, live on the show. <laughs> Um, let's have a look at the chat. So Eddie Hickey is upset about the football on Saturday. Yeah, France beating England. I mean, France is probably going to win it. Let's be honest. So it is what it is. We got Sam Musgrove. Hey Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming along. Um, hope you are having a good evening. Brand the chat it always gives you a bit more faith and people involved in the film series return certainly does oh and hey gx glenn is here as well how's it going guys <coughs> welcome uh welcome to the show hope you're both well uh yeah fran completely agree when um i mean it's not always the case unfortunately uh on some hands you've got texas chainsaw massacre 2 toby hooper returns it's a different film but it's still very good <coughs> different to the original but on the other hand, you've then got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, or The New Generation, where Kim Heinkel, who wrote or co-wrote the original, is on board. And you think, oh, okay, cool. So after the third one, which was, uh, was all right, but it's a bit different, uh, not great, um, we've now got an OG back, and it was complete. It was a complete dumpster fire, unfortunately. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey was redeeming in it because it was just crazy. But yeah, generally on the whole, if you've got someone from the original series back involved, it's you've you got to think a bit more care is maybe going to be, um, you know, go into it. Whether it's a returning sequel for an ongoing series or if it's just, a you know, creating a legacy sequel to a film which just had the one and done. Um, <laughs> my name is not Ellen Chap. Yeah, An Escape from LA. Yeah, that's... I mean, I still haven't seen all of John Carpenter's films. I haven't... I think I may have seen many, many, many years ago um, Memoirs of uh, an Invisible Man. There's a couple of his dramas that I've not seen. Um, but yeah, Escape from LA, I've I've tried it a couple of times, and it's ostensibly a remake, really, of Escape from New York. I mean, it really... It, ba it basically is. It's got some charm to it. Like, I like um, Steve Buscemi in it and, uh, and Bruce Campbell, and, of course, you know, Kurt Russell. You can't go wrong with Kurt. But those later... A couple of those later Carpenter films where trying to use the CGI of the time, and the CGI of the time was awful. Basically, all you've got to say when it comes to Escape from L.A. is the surfing scene. That that never is going to look good, unfortunately. Um, Eddie Hick in the chat. The only horror movie character who creeps me out is Annabelle for some reason. Yeah, Annabelle's a creepy doll. Annabelle's a creepy doll. Um, in the original Conjuring, used quite effectively. And I do still think the best of the Annabelle films is Annabelle Creation 
very good director on board um i can't remember for the love of me his name he did shazam he did lights out he does a lot of tutorial videos on youtube so if anyone is an aspiring filmmaker or thinking about filming something just doing something check out his videos i think his youtube name's like pony smasher or something like that it's, it's a weird use name but he does these great shorts that he films with just a camera some lighting that he has and his his wife as an actress usually and he then tells you how he did it and it tell he says how he does some of the effects like the credit scrolls you know there's certain scenes for the annabelle film he talks about how he do how he does them and it just makes everything seem a lot more accessible and you sort of think you know need to do another film like i've not done a film in a couple of years um you know just get out there and do it Fran can in the chat it doesn't always mean your faith is rewarded yeah that's true but it gives you more hope it isn't being made just as a cash grab that yeah that's that is that is true that is accurate that is accurate so we're going to talk about our first review excuse me i've had that burp brewing for a while and i'm going to put the review music on just so i can have a little vape uh, i might play it again Just so I can have another vape. <laughs> okay. So, guys, I watched a new Shudder exclusive. My cheek isn't looking quite so bad today. Thank God for that. thought my face was trying to eat itself. Um, audio listeners won't, won't get that, but I've had this weird mark on my face for the last week, and I think it's turning a corner, thank God. Um, I watched a new Shudder film, Getting in the Christmas Spirit. This film was called... This film's called Christmas Bloody Christmas, but really, and this is going to give you an indication of the dialogue in the film, this film should have been called, and, you know, people who don't like sassy language maybe cover your ears, this should have been called Christmas Fucking Christmas. Okay. Christmas Fucking Christmas. To give you an idea why I say that... Okay, I'm going to... Okay. Just thinking how I'm going to present this review. <laughs> okay it's a 2022 christmas horror film it was written and directed by joe bigos i'm not aware if he has actually done anything else let me just check on on uh has it got a link to imdb fuck it currently holds a 78 percent on rotten tomatoes rating oh, that's generous <laughs> not not to bury the lead on uh oh fran Franny, if you've watched the film or you saw my tweet or maybe other people have a similar sort of opinion on this. Literally, so someone put uh, on a Twitter, put out like a link to their review or saying, you know, what they thought of the film. And my response was, it feels like there is a good film, a good horror film in there, but it has been buried by a Rob Zombie fan script. And maybe by me, just by me saying Christmas fucking Christmas, you had the same thought. Maybe you saw the tweet or just, I think a few, I think a few people, uh, had, um, had the same kind of feeling, but yeah. Okay. So I'm just gonna have a look to see if, uh, Joe Beagles has done much, uh, much else. Like, damn, Yes. That's correct. So I remember we talked about this on the news, and I was kind of interested because uh, the guy, the director, worked on F 
um, VFW, which we've watched on twitch.tv forward slash Tezis on a watch party. Really enjoyed that. And Bliss, which is pretty good, actually. It was pretty good. So I had forgotten that he did those two films going into this. Um, that my tooth is a bit weird. Um, going into this, but I do remember reading this in the news and thinking, okay, that sounds interesting. Uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, interesting. So, and both those films had much better scripts, I'll just say. It makes sense now, uh, realising that he did those two films in terms of the tone of the film and the look. So if people have seen, more specifically, VFW, um, which has got uh, the guy from uh, Don't Speak in it, never, can never, I'm awful of names, um, and it also has... Um, crease from cobra kai and the karate kid in it who am i thinking stephen lang stephen lang is in it william sadler fred williamson vfw it has this certain visual tone to it where it feels very 80s maybe not so much grindhouse but that 80s sort of midnight cinema kind of grindhouse i guess you could say feel very film grainy very much putting you in that tone of that sort of uh that sort of uh, underbelly type film from the 80s. Um, Bliss had that to a degree, but it wasn't quite so overt as VFW. But Bliss is still very good. It just it, it wasn't kind of, I suppose, going for that that tone of 80s kind of undergroundy look. So with Christmas Bloody Christmas, I can already say out of those three films of his that I've now seen, and two of which I really enjoyed. This has a good horror film in there somewhere. The difficulty is the characters. The characters are really quite unlikable. So it's Christmas Eve, and Tori, who owns a record store and has an employee that she uh, busts his chops, and he clearly fancies her, and they end up banging um this is all not the opening 20 minutes um she just wants to get drunk at christmas and party but when a robotic santa claus at a nearby toy store goes haywire and begins a rampant killing spree through her small town she's forced into a battle for survival so the premise itself i think sounds pretty interesting pretty cool the robots are basically have this um previously disused military chip that has been reprogrammed to go into these robots so purely repurposing military hardware for commercial use i don't think there's any ulterior motive because quite early in the film there's talk of we need to you know there's been a recall on these robots because of some malfunctions so it's not like there's any sort of ulterior motive from the government not to spoil anything i won't go you know, sort of too much further into that but uh tory is our lead with her friend i can't remember what his name is let me just scroll down to the cast list uh robbie um yeah robbie reynolds um jeff daniel phillips who i definitely recognized he is in this is sheriff monroe um christ so what is it about the dialogue is it the fact that every other word is fuck now, i'm no prude but one of the things with a rob zombie film unfortunately is that it's like fucking this and a fucking that and oh you fuck what the fuck get me a fucking drink oh what the fuck are you talking about fuck you fuck 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 it's like 
I get. Like, I, I mean, I probably used to talk like that in my late teens, you know, and then you, you and then you grow up and you think, oh, I need to expand my vocabulary a bit. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> it's not it's not really an attractive trait to say fuck every other word, really. Um, that That's all the main characters, really. That's the kind of the dialogue. The good thing is they do all seem. They do all come across quite genuine if that makes sense like the fact yeah they say fuck every other word but in terms of the camaraderie and the the grouping dynamic um yeah it, it does seem com more convincing than a lot of films i don't know if maybe these this cast are already kind of friends going into this i don't know if they're regulars from his other films i don't recognize any of them as regulars from his other films um but that's a positive i would say in terms of the acting itself is actually okay, but it's just the dialogue. The main character as well, Tori. So yeah, overly aggressive with the with the sassy language. Also, in terms of the character, we we learn a lot through the dialogue between her and Robbie. It's a good way to get to know the characters. But to me, it comes off as metalhead hipster, and the reason I say that is because she seems purposefully proud like overtly proud to like uh the lesser known things like let's say sequels like pet cemetery 2 is 10 times the film pet cemetery is hellraiser 7 is the best one blah 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 something like that i'm not sure about hellraiser but she goes through this list of saying this sequel is better than the original this is better than the original and it's like that's kind of like a if you generally prefer the lesser known or lesser valued films in the series fine but when you're overly boasting about it to me that just says hipster i don't like hipsters where it's like i'm gonna say things to elicit a reaction you know or same with like music just like it uh, and it's 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 very prominent and it's a weird trait because it's like i don't know she's kind of coming across like a bit of a dick and i'm getting the idea that she's our heroine and she is the heroine of the film exactly fran in the chat she sounds a bit of a try hard and that instantly makes me think mm, you're trying too hard and i don't really like you that much but in terms of what i do like in the film i do like the appearance where it's all like kind of i, I want to say neon glow but it's not your typical oh it's a 2020s film set in the 80s so, so everything's a neon glow i think this is set modern but it's in that kind of uh rock record store metalhead kind of small town vibe where it's you know it's people listen to vinyl on purpose and all that stuff and there's there's even a point where she brings the guy back to hers and he puts on a record she goes oh my god why have you put this absolute shit on you poser and he's like dude this is in your collection and she's like well, yeah i've got to finish the collection like, you can't complain about someone picking a picking music to put on when it's your own collection like come on um but visually i do quite like the appearance there's this film grain to it overly saturated lighting and the 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 santa claus when it starts on this rampage there is threat there like he is a viable threat when he appears he just tears through people he slices a child pretty much in half with an axe quite early in the film gives you an indication that nothing's being held back um 
the finale maybe overdoes it a bit with the bait and switches of you think it's done it's not done you think it's done it's not done you think it's done no 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 it's not yet done uh but like i say there's there, there is a there's a decent there's a decent horror um pursuing film at a, you know a santa claus terminator i think uh, baby i said there is a decent film for that in here it's it's just the dialogue that first 20 odd minutes or so you really start thinking am i watching a fucking rob zombie film and i like some rob zombie films but i've said before numero times <laughs> i think he's a good director i don't think he's a good script writer or at least dialogue writer um and we get a lot of dialogue early on from these characters it's, it establishes them you know it establishes their traits and whatnot that's good but then the traits for the lead aren't really that interesting because as fran says she's a try hard um and every other word's fuck and you just think oh man this just sounds like it was written by a teenager and i don't you know i feel bad saying that because i like joe bigos's other films i i think there's a couple more that i've not seen but dialogue in this one really kind of brought it down a bit for me um i think a fair score for this is a five it's a very middle of the road type score because i think this is an easy 6.5 and a 7 if you make at least one of the characters a little bit more likable it's not like a complete rob zombie film where you've got no protagonists you do you do follow tori in her journey um when she is trying to get people to believe her and she's in pursuit she she uh, riley dandy who plays tori tombs uh, is a good actress smoking hot in this as well but she is a good uh she is a good actress um what else has she done she's not got too many credits christmas kiss a california christmas she loves a christmas films a hollywood christmas she also did this year uh interceptor lost city of gold uh vermin town okay, so i think she may be fairly new to the horror field but she does a good performance um it's just the dialogue it's just the dialogue that really drags it down a little bit let's have a look at the chat what else we got going on uh, blah, 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 blah. uh eddie hickey quick question does lawrence do any gaming streams or any other uh self streams anymore um as fran says on on twitch so his twitch is twitch.tv forward slash voodoo underscore rocks um so we now do our gaming over on our respective twitch channels just seem to make a bit more sense so here's his voodoo underscore rocks check it out give him a follow subscribe and all that if you've got prime you can use your prime um to subscribe to to the channels and it doesn't cost you anything but it gives um it gives lawrence or if you subscribe to my channel twitch.tv forward slash tezius t-e-z-z-i-u-s gives us some little extra bunts um and you know jeff bezos is paying for eggs at the end of the day um what else we got in chat fran i haven't seen anything just got that from the title you gave it right okay yeah, that makes sense baby ice um no i haven't first movie was enough to turn me away from the whole franchise um oh i don't know what franchise I'm talking about uh baby ice christmas terminator already five stars franz she sounds like a bit of a try hard and baby ice she'd fit well as a victim in the scream franchise yeah it's a shame it is a shame um and it does sound a bit prudish to say well if they took out lord of the fuckings it'll be a good film uh you know i just the odd thing is 
like I say, I guess there's a believability to that group talking in that way. I mean, Christ, I um, I used to be in a in a death metal band with two tattoo artists. This was going back a long time, which is why I say I probably back in the day used to probably say fuck every other word because you think it's cool, you know, and it becomes part of your lexicon of vocabulary. Um, but in terms of from a from a viewing perspective, it did, and I, you know from seeing on twitter it doesn't seem like i'm alone in that that feeling that the dialogue just becomes a bit painful i think even someone else had commented on the same there's like cult exploitation on twitter that i'd commented on someone else had kind of said that um hey, they'd said like i love a rob zombie film but even i thought this had way too many fucks in it <laughs> yeah unfortunate unfortunate well that's the only review that i have for y'all this week so what we are going to do is of course it's time to talk about your homework. And that is the, also the Shudder exclusive, The Cleansing Hour. So The Cleansing Hour is a 2019 horror film directed by Damien Levesque about a staged televised exorcism that takes a nefarious turn. The movie is a feature-length adaptation of a short film by the same name that Levesque released in 2016. Uh, so I'll just kind of start the synopsis a bit. Childhood friends Max and Drew host The Cleansing Hour, a popular live stream show where Father Max exercises a possessed person during each episode. In reality, each possession is fake, as they are carefully scripted and orchestrated to entice viewers to like and follow their videos and purchase goods. Max is obsessed with drawing as large a crowd as possible and gaining a bigger following. Drew's fiance Lane, is unhappy but supportive, even going so far as to, to agree to step in as the possessed person when the actor Derek, for their current episode, doesn't show. So... I'm going to throw it over to the chat. If you've done, if you've done your homework, uh, let me know what you thought of the film and ultimately what your score out of ten was. If you haven't done your homework, well, that's fine. That's fine. It's obviously been very busy as we are entering the Christmas period, but I'll give you guys a moment. Chat amongst yourselves. Produce your reviews for your for your homework. Uh, let's play some more sound bites. This is God. And one more. There you go. Baby Us, the best part was all the comments in the live chats during the movie. Funny stuff. If you like uh, comments in a live chat for a film, I highly recommend uh deadstream if you haven't seen it it's another shutter exclusive came out this year uh reviewed it on the show i think i gave it seven and a half potentially out of ten i uh, reviewed it on the show a, a little while back i'm not setting that as the homework don't worry we are entering the christmas period i think we're going to take a little bit of time off homework but i would highly recommend deadstream for humorous live stream comments in the film i think deadstream is very i think i may rewatch it again quite soon the, the effects are fairly cheap in some places but i thought the performance in it was was so funny and brilliant and quite you know some moments of dread in it i thought it was done pretty well hey king is in the chat king of wakamundo how's it going king welcome 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 um hey eddie got to go bye tez bye chat bye eddie thanks for stopping by have a good rest of your evening 
Tell you what, guys, while we're talking uh, while we're talking the cleansing now, if anyone else has got any notes on the film, if anyone wants to give it a score out of 10, I've been sucking into this BBC show. Uh, not horror-related, although you could say it's got murder in it. But it's a reality show uh, called um, The Traitor. I think uh, maybe Geeky Pete in the Discord, or it might have been... Um, it, oh, who was it? It wasn't... It was either Sam or Geeky Pete. Uh, let me just open up the Discord. Discord's a great little community, guys, if uh, if you're not already a member. But someone brought up the show. Was it GX Glenn? Rick. Might have been Rick. I'm just scanning through. Yeah, oh, here we go. Right, yeah, I think it was... Uh... Yes, Rick... Moran brought it up in in the uh, the Discord, the traitors. So full disclosure, I caught a moment of this because I do occasionally watch Gogglebox. Gogglebox, yep. I do think Gogglebox initially was absolute bull. I used to take the piss out of people that watched it at my old work, and then I got suckered into it, and I do find it quite amusing at times. People are a bit tryhard at times, I will say, but. Um, I caught a bit of them talking about the show The Traitors. And at first I thought, what is this? I don't even get the concept of it. Why is everyone crying? Why are they being all so dramatic and doing YouTube face, you know? <gasps> oh my God, I'm shocked. I can't believe that's happened. All of that stuff. I instantly thought this is not going to be anything I've got any interest in watching. I put it on on a whim and I've watched like... I w well, I haven't watched the first three episodes because I wasn't up to date, but I watched like three episodes on the trucks. They do three episodes a week. It's a weird scheduling format, but I guess it's so... It's kind of bingeable, but also it's not all gone in one go, you know? I think it's like four lots of three. But the general concept is a whole bunch of random people who don't know each other go into a Scottish castle. They have to do these tasks to win more money for the pot, so whoever wins at the end, or whichever team or whatever wins at the end gets this pot of money. But three people have been selected to be traitors in secret. And their job at the end of each evening in secret is to decide someone to be murdered. And what the other guys have to do is try and figure out who is a traitor. And they put that person up to be eliminated. And the idea being hopefully they can eliminate the traitors. Eliminate all the traitors, you get the money, blah, blah, blah. But if the person they put up isn't a traitor, then they've eliminated one of their own. And it's kind of a game of two halves, like quite quite a psychological game. Didn't think I'd be interested in it. A reality show on BBC sounds flipping awful, 10 times out of 10. Oh, really? Yeah, it's got me. It's got me. Uh, let's have a look at what else is going on in the chat. Um, I'm not currently sub to Shudder, but I did watch the short. Uh, okay, fair dues. Fair dues, um, fair dues Fran. King, um, King's in the chat. Baby, I have 7.5 out of 10 for the cleansing hour. The possessed viewers at the end of the movie reminded me of an Italian horror movie trope with the white eyes. Yeah, I love the white eyes of a um, of a possession, kind of a bit Evil Deady, kind of a bit uh, City of the Living Dead type feel. Fran Cam, The Traitors, I've not watched it yet. It made me think of Among Us, people doing tasks and there are others sabotaging and eliminating others. Yeah, so there's just this... Um, Part of the games that they'll kind of play is, on one hand, if people start suggesting, oh, I think you might be a traitor, and if you are a traitor, you have to avoid that that potential desire to go, well, I want to eliminate them because they're pointing the finger at me. Because if you eliminate them, because when a, per a person dies, they basically don't return the next day for breakfast, because they all go off in secret separately. 
Um, and then that way they know that, oh, they're not here. It must mean they've been killed or they've been murdered. But if someone's pointing the finger of suspicion at you, you're starting to generate a bit of chatter that they don't think you can be trusted and you are a traitor. If you kill them, then automatically that makes other people go, wait a minute, they were saying that you're a traitor. They're now dead, so you must be the traitor. So what they would have to do is sort of play it quite politically and go, we need to basically try and take out strong participants, but at the same point, do it in such a way that it creates suspicion on other people and keep the eye of suspicion off them. It's, it's, I, I like it. I like it. Um, King, I notice when a group of people meet in a castle, things don't go right. The castle is beautiful, honestly. Start of the episode when they first grow up there is on like a train apparently it's the harry potter train i don't like harry potter so i didn't really notice it but first off i was like oh man i'd love to go on a proper steam train journey just looks like such a lot of fun and the castle in the scottish highlands looks oh oh it's got a massive library in it and i'm a nerd i like my books i mean i've not so much got a library just a bookcase in here and a, a bit of one in my room but uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, so the cleansing hour. So yeah, so Franz watched the um, watched the short previously, um, but I, I I definitely you know recommend it with those who have Shudder if you've got like a free um, a free period or a membership that you're thinking of signing up for, give it a go because it's 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 one of their decent exclusives I would definitely say, uh, and I'm glad that uh, Baby Ice seemed to enjoy it from their score. So like I say, there's going to be no homework for the next week probably the next uh, couple of weeks because we've been christmas and i hadn't really thought of it for, for tonight's show uh kind of and we're going to preface what we're going to do next week i'll go over it again at the end of the show but i'll talk about it now next week put your glad rags on because we're at the end of year first annual ministry of horror um don't, i need to think of a snappy title but ministry of horror end of year awards um the ghoulies maybe we'll call it the ghoulies <laughs> Although that generally means you're nads, but we'll call, maybe we'll call it the ghoulies. I'm not going to make awards, don't worry. Um, but I'm going to be talking about what I think are the best and the worst of the year in horror. I'm going to have some categories, you know, like best leading, uh, best final girl, uh, best monster, you know, best horror, worst horror, worst, you know, just that kind of thing. Go over some of those things. But what I will do is I will have a Community Best and Community Worst Award. Uh, if you wanted to put in a vote for a film that you think is the worst of the year or you think is the best of the year, DM me, either on Discord. Uh, I think my name on Discord is... somewhere. Um, Fipco Tez, I think. I don't know. I don't know how to find it. Uh, let me look on Ministry of Horror. That's normally where I post. Tez Vipco, T-E-Z-Z-V-I-P-C-O. Or alternatively, if you're listening to this later on or you're not on uh, the Discord, there is Twitter. Send me a DM on Twitter. My DMs are open, um, which is ministry underscore horror. Or alternatively, on Facebook Messenger uh, is Ministry of Horror. Send me your DM for your best and or worst horrors of the year. And... Um, I will then have a I'll then have an award for that, the community award. But that's going to be next week. Again, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. I'll uh, I'll put reminders in the Discord and on on socials when I remember. Um King in the chat. Oh, breaking wrestling news. Old Vinnie Mac returning. I hope not. I hope not, King. I mean, I'm not currently watching 
much WWE other than the highlights because I'm not paying £28 a month for BT Sport anymore. Um, but I hope that's not the case. So, I think now is a perfect time to move on to our festive section of the show, which I also call our featured presentation. Yeah, probably enough for that. It's from uh, Soundstripe Royalty, um, you know, Royalty, um, you know, it's shouldn't get blipped. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, music you can copyright yourself. Anyway, that's a little bit of Christmas music. So we're talking about Christmas horrors, guys. We are talking about Christmas horrors. As mentioned at the start of the show, I'm not going to be having a uh, an extensive list of them. There's a whole bunch that I've just never seen that I've just not got around to watching. Um, Christmas isn't really a time of the year that I'm that fussed about. Um, it's just not. It's just not. <laughs> I've had I've had mediocre Christmases. I've had one particularly bad year, um, and. Uh, just that's not really thing I'm fussed about. But I know a lot of people love their Christmas. And as such, you have a holiday, why not horrify it, of course. Um, so we're going to pick, talk about, I think, about five films that I've picked. Um, and the first one, it's not an especially great film, but it was quite amusing. Uh, it knew what it was doing. And it's related to wrestling. We are, of course, on the Ministry of Slam network, the MOS network, I should say. So it makes sense to have something horror adjacent in here. So we're starting with 2005's Santa's Sleigh, a Christmas slasher black comedy film written and directed by David Steinman, a former assistant to Brett Ratner. Ratner served as a producer. The film stars Bill Goldberg, Douglas Smith, Emily de Ravine, Robert Culp, Saul Rubinek, Dave Thomas, Rebecca Gayhart, Chris Kattan, and Fran Drescher. It was released in the United States on December 20th, 2005 by Media 8 Entertainment, and it received mixed reviews from critics. So, basically, this is giving us a Christmas horror centred around Santa Claus, but Santa Claus is not the Santa Claus that we know today. Jolly old Saint Nick, this ain't. Uh, Bill Goldberg is playing our Santa Claus, who, at the start of the film, arrives via chimney and murders the Mason family in very graphic detail using Christmas-themed violence. Um, the matriarch of the family gets drowned in eggnog, uh, uses the star atop a Christmas tree as a shuriken, stabbing the patriarch's hands to the table with silverware and suffocating him by stuffing a leg of turkey in his mouth. Uh, he rides a sleigh driven by his hell deer, a buffalo-like beast, arriving at the town of Hell Township and decimates the locals in various holiday-themed ways. In one of his kills, Santa slaughters the occupants of a local strip club. Uh, Pastor Timmons, a crooked minister, manages to survive the massacre. 
crooked minister at a strip club. Later, Santa murders the local Jewish delicatessen owner, Mr. Green, using his own menorah. Um, <laughs> we even get a little, a little notch to Goldberg's wrestling career when the film ends with him uh, looking over a naughty list and looking at the camera and saying, who's next? If people watch wrestling, they'll 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 uh, they'll get the the little nod that way. Um, this is a fun film. It's by no means gold. It very much does have the feel of a like a late nineties, early two thousands straight to DVD film, which it is. At the end of the day, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this didn't have a theatrical run. Um, yeah, it's released direct to DVD from the looks of it. But it's got a fun, fun performance from Goldberg. He seems to be having a great time just murdering people left, right, and center. Um, Baby Ice, did he spear anyone? I can't remember if he speared anyone. I think he might have done a jackhammer on someone. Oh, Fran, how wrong you are in the chat. How wrong you are. And I won't bring it up in case people, uh, people aren't in the live chat, if people listen to this later on, but... You've made an assumption there, Fran, and you have you'll have eggnog on your face, my friend. <laughs> um King in the chat, it was a good movie, but it was the Eclipse series that was big, very odd time of movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun. It's I mean, you're not gonna get proper scares in this at all. Uh it's one of those films where the comedy isn't necessarily laugh out loud comedy, but there's a lot of heart to this. Um, and this has given us the appearance of a Santa Claus who, I can't remember the exact details, but he, the reason that he's a murderous nutcase now is he was the result of a virgin birth produced by Satan. Christmas was the day of slaying for Santa until AD 1005 when an angel defeated him in a curling match and sentenced him to deliver presents on Christmas for 1000 years. That means that Santa is free to kill again in 2005, which is where we are now so it's quite an interesting concept for for the film um in terms of it's not just a case of an evil demon maybe adjacent to santa that we'll talk about shortly um and it's not one of the other types of films that we may get onto of it just happens to be set at Christmas, but it's a different type of film. In this instance, we've got a murderous Santa, and we find out a bit more about his actual background. I think it's worth a watch. It's only 78 minutes as well, so it's easily done in uh, just over an hour. That is Santa's sleigh. Moving on from Santa, we now talk about something that's really become quite popular, I think, in like the last 10, 10 years or so, and that is The Legend of Krampus. Now, Krampus isn't anything that I'd heard about as a um, as a child. It certainly wasn't something I was ever aware of. But um, whenever this started coming up in pop culture, like I say, in the last 10 years or so, if anyone knows earlier iterations of Krampus, by all means, let me know. I mean, I know it's based on a, on a I think, a predominantly sort of German folklore, um, Austro-Bavarian folklore. But it's really only been featured in um, mainstream English language horror related productions i mean there's a lot of krampus films now um and there's been krampus featured or a version of krampus featured in a brilliant episode of inside number nine but this was the to my knowledge the first sort of wide stream usage of him in a 
again Christmas horror comedy, which is the 2015 film Krampus. Um, it's uh, based on the eponymous character from the Austro-Bavarian folklore, directed by Michael Doherty and written by Doherty, Todd Casey and Zach Shields. The film stars Adam Scott, Tony Collette, David Kochner, Alison Tolman, Conchata Farrell, MJ Anthony, Stefani Levi-Owen with Krista Stadler and introducing Lolo Owen. Queenie Samuel, Maverick Flack, and Sage Hunfeld. In the film, a dysfunctional family squabbling causes a young boy to lose his festive spirit. Doing so unleashes the wrath of Krampus, a fearsome horned demon beast in ancient European folklore who punishes naughty children at Christmas time. As Krampus lays siege to the neighborhood, the family must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. The concept for Krampus began in 2011 when Doherty was planning to make a Christmas-themed horror film, with him and Shields writing the screenplay. Production began in 2014 with Doherty directing and writing a new screenplay with Shields and Casey. The casting calls began from November 2014 to March 2015. Uh, creature effects were made by the Weta Workshop. Uh, it was released um, grossed over $61 million against a budget of $15 million, so it's a bit of a success there. Hey, we got got um, Mel is in the chat, Unexplained Possibilities. How's it going, Mel? I hope you are well. Uh, my name is not Earl. Tony Collette sure does like it making horror films. Certainly does. Brown the Cow in the chat. Krampus has some great creature designs with the likes of the Gingerbread Man and the Jack in the Box. Uh, King, I like Krampus' um, look in the movie. It's very creepy. Cr uh, Baby Ice, Krampus was way better than I thought it was going to be. It's very entertaining. Um, my name's not Earl. The grandma knows something's wrong and does nothing. That has always bothered me. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of lets it happen. But let's just kind of briefly talk about um, Krampus itself. Uh, let me just find if we've got the actual link. There we go, to Krampus. So Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure in the central and eastern alpine folklore of the Europe who, during the Advent season, scares children who have misbehaved. Assisting St. Nicholas or Santa Claus, the pair visit children on the night of 5th of December, with St. Nicholas rewarding the well-behaved children with modest gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts and chocolate, while the badly behaved ones only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods. Uh, the origin of the figure is unclear, with some folklorists and anthropo um, anthropologists having postulated it as having a pre-Christian origins. In traditional parades and in such events as the Krampuslauf, in the English translation is Krampus Run, young men participate dressed as Krampus and attempt to scare the audience with their antics. Such events occur annually in most Alpine towns. Krampus is featured on holiday greeting cards called Krampus Karten. The figure has been imported into American pop culture and has appeared in movies, TVs and video games. I mean, it's a pretty creepy image. Like, there's a greeting card from the 1900s saying greetings from Krampus showing a demonic horned figure stuffing kids into a wicker basket with chains. <laughs> That's pretty messed up. Um, but it's basically like, you know, St. Nick and the and Krampus is like the, the devil as the, as the figure. It's quite interesting. But the film... The film's a nice little neat uh, dark comedy. We've got some really quite cool effects for Krampus itself, which is like basically a distorted Santa Claus with huge horns coming off his head and a drooping mouth. Um, as Fran in the chat mentioned, the creature designs for like the Jack in the Box. Um, 
among among others, Gingerbread Man as well. I think it's Jack in the Box that starts eating the grandma. When people get eaten, that's always one of those things that creeps me out in films because the jaws of things should never get that big that they can consume someone. So when it happens, I'm always like, mm, don't like that. In a good way. Mal in the chat says, Krampus is a fun movie, sort of a pleasant surprise. Uh, for Mal, wasn't expecting much, but came away very entertained. Fun fact, Krampus isn't around for a single day. Krampus shows up during the first two weeks of December. I mean, Krampus, yeah, it's... I don't know who kind of brought it into... into, you know, the English language culture, but um, they really hit on hit on gold here. Like, but, I mean, like anything, it's... You, you search for a Krampus film, and then there's this film... And then there's uh, a number of other ones, and you're going to get a lot of chuff. And with, you know, you're going to get a lot of all fart, no poop. <laughs> uh, but there's A Christmas Horror Story was one film I did try and watch, which I know has a battle between Santa Claus and Krampus in it. Krampus being a full-fledged demon. I just ran out of time, and I thought, I can't really feature that if I've not seen it at all. Because um, I've no idea what it's like. If it's any good, I, I I caught the trailer and I thought, okay, this looks could be decent. The, the trailer didn't make it look amazing, but look, it could be decent. Uh, but yeah, this Krampus, it's uh, a bit of a cautionary tale, and it doesn't end with a happy ending either. <laughs> it's quite a dark ending, which I thought, which I remember finding pretty surprising at the time. You always kind of feel that ah, uh, they're gonna they're gonna turn things around, they're gonna get out of this. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, my name is not on the chat. What are the other Krampus movies? Straight to DVD, cheap effects movies. Oh yeah, from the appearance, from the appearance of it. I mean, if I just go on Prime Video, there's a few others that I think are just called Krampus. Oh, my screen just went black. That's not good. Um, that's weird. There's Krampus Unleashed. Uh, Krampus Origins, both of them look kind of bad. Krampus the Reckoning, that looks bad. Krampus the Christmas Devil, I mean, I'm just basing this on the artwork. The artwork isn't always 100%, you know, it's it's not always a good indicator. And I will be fair that a lot of these films on Prime are showing minimum three and a half stars upwards. So, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Can't judge a look by a lover. Um, Krampus the Reckoning, Krampus the Christmas Devil, uh, Krampus the Return, Greetings from Krampus. Yeah, I think that's most of them. And then something starring Sheridan Smith. Oh, okay. Doesn't have anything to do with Krampus. Um, da -da 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 -da. Mail in the chat. I think the ending is misunderstood. Many think, and spoilers, the family is trapped, but it's just the Krampus watching them, making sure they behave. Oh, okay. Oh, I just assumed that they were then stuck in um in the snow globe. Yes, yeah, Fran says, but they've been trapped in the snow globe, haven't they? King Krampus was locked in a in a strudel iron pot for fifty years when Jack Smith captured him as a kid. Is that in, is that in this one? I can't remember. Maybe, maybe that's a different Krampus film. Not too sure. Not too sure. Seth Green voices the gingerbread man Lumpy. Didn't know that. Justin Roiland uh, voices gingerbread man Clumpy. That new Justin Roiland game is apparently on Game Pass now. I will have to check it out. It does look like it'll be a lot of fun. 
for fans of Rick and Morty and um, Polar Opposites, or Solar Opposites. But that's Krampus. That is Krampus. We have a, a film this time set in the Christmas period, but focusing on the bad, the bad Santa, the demonic creature Santa variant. Now, as Fran uh, mentioned in the chat, there's a film that uh, that they assumed I would not include because of my dislike for the particular genre that it is an offshoot of. Uh, to to mention the tagline that is on the film's post that I'm looking at on Wikipedia, Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land, and that's certainly what they were going for, for better or worse. And I am indeed talking about Anna and the Apocalypse. I have included it, Fran. I watched it last night for my sins. <laughs> Anna and the Apocalypse. This is a 2017 British Christmas zombie musical film. Directed by John McPhail from a screenplay by Alan MacDonald and Ryan McHenry, based on McHenry's 2010 BAFTA-nominated short zombie musical. It stars an ensemble cast of largely unknown young talent, including Ella Hunt, Malcolm Cumming, Sarah Swire, Christopher Laveau, um, Marley sue ben wiggins along with some regulars of the british film scene mark benton and paul k uh paul k recently did the one of the characters in dark pictures anthology devil in me he certainly gets around i still always associate him with dennis pennis um <laughs> who was a uh, a character that he portrayed in the 90s um, this premiered at Fantastic Fest on the 22nd of September 2017, released in the United Kingdom by Vertigo Releasing, and United States by Orion Pictures on the 30th of November 2018, to generally positive reviews from critics commending the performances, musical numbers, and characterizations. So this is a film that I kind of thought, how come I... You know, I, I became aware of it like a, a little while ago, like a, a year or two back, but it never became on my radar to watch because, as people know, I don't like musicals. I'm not a fan of musicals. They don't, they're not my bag, baby. Um, but initially, I was sort of thinking, okay, well, musicals normally get a bit of a bit of a hubbub about them, a bit of a hoo ha. And I remember catching the trailer for it. I think, I think they might have included. A little talking segment about this maybe on 101 or uh, 101 scariest moments on shudder that something featured this briefly in it and i thought okay i mean i don't like musicals but it's a it's a noteworthy horror of the last few years i should check it out performances are good in this um we have uh, our, our lead is ella hunt who i haven't seen in anything else but she is she is excellent in this um but, but uh, she did she was in cold feet but i'm assuming that must be a later version of cold feet because she's not old enough to be in the older one um she was in dickinson the apple tv plus series people need to give me recommendations for apple tv plus um sky are currently doing a six months free period for apple tv so of course i took that up because that's six months that's a bargain uh, but I don't know what's what's worth watching on there. I've seen Mythic Quest, which is very hit and miss. I saw the first series of Ted Lasso, or Lasso, I should say. I don't want to pronounce that weird. But I don't really know what else is good on, on Apple+. Plus. Um, so, yeah, she's fairly new in this, but I think she's done some singles, some music. Uh, she's in Le, Le Miserable. Um, and so, yeah, so she's not, she's not new to the horror genre either. She's an intruder's. Fair play, Lady Chatterley's lover. Um, 
She played Mrs. Flint in that. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. Don't know. Anyway, uh, getting sidetracked. So this is a Christmas zombie musical. And Fran, yes, in the chat, Paul K was also in Game of Thrones. Certainly was. Uh, the last time, my name is not Elsa or Paul K, uh, was in Lee um, Lee Max sitcom, Not Going Out. My my late mother used to love Not Going Out. Um, I, I, I like Lee Mac, but I've just I've never got around to watching it. Never got around to watching it. Um, baby ice grease watch party incoming. <laughs> God no, I'd have to be. I would have to be hammered drunk before I wittingly put musicals on a watch party. I for for me musicals. I like the Book of Mormon. I was very surprised. I went to see the Book of Mormon live with some friends, and I was like, you know what? The music in this is banging. <laughs> it's really good. But nine times out of ten, when I see a musical, and as soon as people start singing, the music comes in, and music's obviously a natural thing in films, soundtracks, background music. But when people in different locations suddenly start singing, doing choreographed routines, that's what instantly takes me out of the film, because the non-diegetic music becomes diegetic, and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, how do they know these routines? And I know that's the whole point of it, is that the songs are developing the story and blah, blah, blah. But I don't like musicals. I never have. Most likely never will. But this is uh, one of the horrors set around Christmas. There's no Santa Claus. I mean, there's a naturally a zombie in a Santa costume. You can't, you can't not have that. But it's set at Christmas. But this time, Christmas is merely the backdrop for the apocalypse. A zombie uprising occurs around our main characters who are going through a, uh, a very <coughs> tight-knit school. Um, the headmaster, Paul, uh, played by Paul Kay, is an absolute arsehole. Played played to the to the to the nth degree, and Anna and her tight group of friends, who are all quite diverse, all played very well. All quite unique performances. I, I really can't fault it for that. Um, baby ice in the chat. No, I don't like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I've seen it before. I saw it with some friends not long ago who love it, and me and one of the girls that was there, um, Grace, who's the only other person that didn't like musicals. We were both cringing throughout. Because I just I don't like musicals, um, especially the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't like it. <laughs> I know people love it. It's not for me. Um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. My name's not mentions as well. Rick Moranis. Yeah, I've seen that film. I zone out as soon as the music starts. <laughs> I know it's not a very popular opinion, but I'm one of those people that just doesn't like musicals. Sorry, um, but yeah, they're they're at the school and one day while walking to school and it's quite a cool little musical performance of uh from anna she's leaving the house she's got her headphones on she's blaring out a song high kicking having a great time unaware around her that we've got a scene very akin to the kind of the um opening of things kicking off in dawn of the dead the Zack snyder um remake people being attacked out of their houses coming out of their their cul-de-sac but she's not aware of it because she's just having a great time dancing away and then her friend who's the the male friend who's like best friends with the girl clearly he would like to be more but he's too much of a a nice guy to put himself out there but then also she does very quite clearly friend zone him a couple of times but that's fine because at the end of the day boys and girls should be able to be friends um and if the guy wants more 
you, you either need to be happy with be just being just being friends because that's you know where she's at or if you can't be move on mate um but we've got that dynamic there's also the guy who's the jock um who has previously had a relationship with anna people don't get on with him because he's a he's a dick for the most part a dick oh my god fuck off iphone not iphone siri my watch my watch every time i wear it and i forget to take it off for the stream it will randomly pop up with something because it thinks i've asked it a question pain in the ass because i always forget to take it off and then it just goes here's what i found absolute nonsense anyway so the zombie apocalypse happens in this film and it's interspersed with these little song and dance routines now i, I will say the songs themselves aren't bad performances are, 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 are good but it is normally on the songs that i do find myself looking at my phone just because it's not that's not for me that isn't for me uh it's not over the top on the gore it is very good with the drama there's some tragic moments with uh characters related to the core group of characters and then instances with uh with people that we've become accustomed to in the film as with any kind of good zombie film <clears throat> it very much as the the headline that i see here of sean dead meets la la land that is 100% what it's going for, although it's probably more accurate if Shaun the Dead meets High School Musical. I've never seen La La Land. I've never seen High School Musical. But the, the I mean, they're in high school or secondary school, whatever. So the music, the performances and what that probably is a bit more like High School Musical, I guess. Um, but Anna is a badass in this. She's very cool. Um, Paul Case Dick played very well. Um, Mark Benton as well. He's what was the last thing i think i saw him in i think i'm getting him mixed up with uh the guy that works with ricky gervais in the uh in the newspaper in afterlife let me just got a massive um filmography but i probably know him more for tv i know he did eddie the eagle excuse me that burp was brewing um loads of tv bloody hell kiss me kate um Catterick. Catterick was brilliant. Da, 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 da. Silent Witness, White Van Man, Inside Number Nine, he's been in that. Uh Doctors, of course, everyone's done Doctors if they work in British acting. Death in Paradise. Again, another show I've never watched that my parents liked. And Midsummer Murders, again, parents like that. Vera, all these stuff. He's done a ton of them. Father Brown. Yeah, whatever. Waterloo Road, Inspector George Gentling, Silent Witness, Hustle, Scoop, Blue Murder, The Fixer, Desperate Romantics, The Slammer Street, Fallen Angel, Northern Lights, Afterlife. There we go. Um, that's Mark Benton. <laughs> but this is a fun, as I'm going to say, of most of these, because if you're setting it at Christmas, you've got to have a bit of lighthearted humour in there, because it's the time for merriment. Uh, we don't get any information about what's causing the zombie apocalypse we don't at the end really get a all's well that ends well because at the end of the day this is the story about anna and anna during the apocalypse we're not going to find that all out because the high school kids why are high school kids going to find out what's causing all this um it's it's decent it is decent and the songs themselves aren't terrible but that's coming from me who doesn't like musicals, so a musical fan may actually think this is absolutely banging. Potentially. Uh, so we've gone from one Christmas-based horror without a supernatural 
Santa Claus or Supernatural Krampus in sight to more of a slasher where we do have uh, someone taking on the guise, the appearance of jolly old Saint Nick, but there's no supernatural element here. And that is the 1984 American psychological slasher film Silent Night, Deadly Night, directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr. and starring Robert Brian Wilson, Lillian Chavin, Gilmar McCormick, Tony Nero, Linnea Quigley, Britt Leach, and Leo Gita. The story concerns a young man named Billy who suffers from post-traumatic stress over witnessing his parents' murder on Christmas Eve by a man disguised as Santa Claus and his subsequent upbringing in an abusive Catholic orphanage. In adulthood, the Christmas holiday leads him into a psychological breakdown and he emerges as a spree killer donning a Santa suit. The film was released by TriStar Pictures on November 9th, 1984, when it received substantial controversy over its promotional material and content, which featured a killer Santa Claus. In addition to receiving mixed reviews, it was pulled from theatres a week after its release. However, it was a success during its opening week, grossing $2.5 million on a budget of 750000 Since its release, it has developed a cult following and spawned a series consisting of four sequels, with the fourth and fifth instalments having no connection to the original film, as well as a loose remake in 2012. A reboot is planned for a 2022 release. So full disclosure, I've not seen any of the sequels. I've not seen the loose remake. Is that the one that's got Malcolm McDowell in it? Yeah, called Silent Night. And Jamie King. And Donald Logue. And Ellen Wong and Brandon Fear. So most of those actors I like. I don't really like Malcolm McDowell. I don't think he's very good. And that's purely because I don't really like Cotwick Orange. I did not like his Loomis in the Halloween films. And I don't think he added anything to Community. Probably seems like I'm going on a bit of an attack on Malcolm McDowell, but it's purely he's an actor with a lot of name renown. And for me, I've not seen him in anything that I thought he was particularly good in. Personally. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. Um so Silent Night Deadly Night, this is a pretty violent little slasher film. I will preface by saying I'm not a massive fan of this film. I watched it with quite high expectations because of because of it being one of those 80 slashers that uh pretty pretty well regarded in the horror community it was never really shown on tv when i was growing up uh so i never saw it on like the sci-fi channel where i kind of got my first glimpse of a lot of things um and i only really caught it because i think it might have been on shudder i can't i don't think i've watched parted this um and i but i definitely know the sequels I've not seen any of the sequels, and apparently it does mention that the fourth and the fifth ones are unrelated, and I believe that they are meant to be kind of a mixture of terrible and just insane. Um, but let's have a look. Silent Night. Let's search for Silent Night. So Silent Night, Deadly Night is available. Is that Prime or? That's available on Prime. Okay. Um, and Silent Night, the remake. That is, is that on Prime or is that Shudder? Oh, it's watching for free with Freevee from the looks of it. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. That's showing us Prime. Oh, it's on Shudder. Right, okay, so we can't watch Party That. Um, and that Silent Night is also on Shudder. So Shudder's got a few of them. Da, 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 da. Silent Night, Bloody Night 2. Okay, I think that's just unrelated. Um, okay, right. Fine. So a mixture of a mixture of Shudder and and Prime, 
but it doesn't seem to have the the remainder of the sequels. I think the third, fourth, and fifth have recently been um, released in a sequels box set. My name is not Earl. Oh, Clockwork Orange is my fave movie. That's fine. My name is not Earl. Everyone, a lot of people love it. It's it's a very famous. Stanley Kubrick is a, is a genius. Um, it's a tough watch. Uh, it's quite heavy going. I mean, obviously, it's very much of its time in terms of uh, setting and and effects and such. Um, but yeah, I just don't really like Malcolm McDowell. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love that film. Um. It's a bit heavy on the rape for my liking. <laughs> Not really a fan of that in, in films, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. With this film, it's definitely worth a watch, but I do feel that it, it meanders in the final third. Um, we've got, it opens in 1971. Five-year-old Billy Chapman and his family visit a nursing home in Utah where his catatonic grandfather stays. When Billy's parents leave the room, his grandfather suddenly awakens and tells Billy to fear Santa Claus and he as he put, punishes the naughty. On the way back home, a criminal dressed in Santa suit who had just robbed a liquor store and killed the owner attempts to carjack the family. As Billy's father tries to drive away, the criminal shoots him dead and sexually assaults Billy's mother before slashing her throat with a switchblade. That's a pretty tough scene. Billy flees and hides, leaving his baby brother Ricky in the car. Um, three years later in December 1974, eight-year-old Billy and four-year-old Ricky are celebrating Christmas in an orphanage run by Mother Superior, a strict disciplinarian who beats children who misbehave and considers punishment to be a good thing. Sister Margaret, who sympathises with the children, tries to help Billy, but he is regularly punished. On Christmas, the orphanage invites a man in the Santa Claus suit to visit the children. Billy, forced to sit on his lap by Mother Superior, punches the man before fleeing his room in horror. That's just the, the opening of the film, and it then cuts to things occurring which then lead to billy having a psychotic break putting on santa claus costume and going batshit crazy there are a couple of good kills in this this is a good slasher in that regard um of stalk and kill but i i did just find um the kind of final third i was really kind of losing concentration that could be my own fault maybe getting distracted by my phone but i, I wasn't that I wasn't that impressed personally with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, my name's Nell on the chat. Silent Night 2 is all in flashbacks, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? That's a shame. See, that's the reason I never watched The Hills of Eyes Part 2. I'd heard that a large chunk of Hills of Eyes Part 2 was flashbacks, and I know Wes Craven was involved in Part 2. I think he might have even directed it, but um, I never saw it. But then again, I've still not rewatched the original Hills of Eyes. Um, I've been meaning to since I picked that up with. Um, Last House on the left and rewatching Last House. Thoroughly enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time, so I'm, I'm wondering if I had that same experience with um, with The Hills Have Eyes. Frank the Cannon Chat 5 is completely unrelated. It's based on a toy maker. Oh, right. Oh, God. L um, Linnea Quigley, what an 80s dish baby I says. Uh, right, well, let's have a little click. Oh, I mean, that's a, not a good picture there, but that is her in her 50s. Okay, I'll need to check her out in the film. But yeah, the picture on Wikipedia is not uh, a great picture, but that is a more recent picture. Um, and, you know, age happens to all of us. <laughs> uh, but this this is us taking the route of, again, kind of like Anna and the Apocalypse. It's a horror set at that time of year. Um, but in this instance, it was quite um, pivotal in that it was taking the idea of Santa Claus 
as a murderous entity. Now, of course, it's not Santa in terms of the real Santa. It's a man dressed as Santa going on a killing spree. But I can imagine that artwork that's on screen currently, the general quite famous poster artwork for something like Deadly Night of a Santa Claus going down a chimney with an arm sticking out, holding onto an axe, would probably be quite traumatizing for kids if they saw it in a, in a shop. And, uh, you know, you're always going to get that one idiot parent that goes, oh, this might be a family film. I'll pick this up, even though it's rated R and there's an axe on it and it says Deadly Night. You're always going to get those knobhead parents who either are completely oblivious and pick it up without even thinking about it or their kid watches it and they knew it was a horror film, but the kid happens to watch it and then they blame, you know, they blame the shop or they blame the filmmakers when it's actually just negligence. Um... Oh, foul language in the chat. Apologies about that, baby. I just don't know what you don't know what was said. Oh wow. Um. Hmm. Okay. Streamlabs seems to have deleted a number of posts from Baby Ice. Please refrain from using foul language. I don't know. That's. I think that may be set up to try and stop us getting spammed by porno, porno bots. Um, but I imagine you haven't written anything um, offensive, so don't panic, baby ice. I don't know what the settings are on that, but uh, yeah, strange. It has uh, deleted a bunch of things. Uh, oh, she was the... Uh, it's still on the screen, actually. I've just seen it. She was the naked rocket chick in Return of the Living Dead 1 and the party host in 1988's Night of the Demons. Gotcha. Short, short hair, redhead. I think, maybe. Oh, right, Naked was what was typed. Oh, okay. Streamlabs is uh, becoming Skynet. Wow. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> so, boop, 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 boop. we are moving on from Silent Night, Deadly Night, talking about real world, uh, a, a slasher taken on the guise of Santa Claus, to now go into the world of uh, fantasy, and this is a film that everyone's been banging on about me to watch this. If you're going to do a Christmas horror show, if you're going to do any sort of Christmas horror shows, you have to talk about this film. And I've always gone, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And I saw that it was on Freeview a little while ago. I added it to my watch list. Typically, it then wasn't on Freeview when I went to watch it, as is usually the case. Basically, I feel that I am cursed with my watch list on things. Netflix, Prime, Shudder, to an extent, Shudder's pretty good actually for that for for your, your older films. Um, whatever, I will add films to my watch list, and I always think I'll watch that later. But I I rarely even look at my watch list. And but when I then think, you know what, I'm going to finally get around to watching that film. It's not on there. It's come off there. So I really need to learn to just instead of having a watch list, I need to just delete my watch list and go. Oh, that looks good. I will watch that now. Just and just get it in my you know currently watching list, um, and that is the 2010 Finnish fantasy action horror comedy, Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale, written and directed by Jomari Helanda about people living near, oh my fucking god, um, Kurvan, Kurvatunturi. Where is that? Kvantatunturi uh, is a fell in Lapland. I don't know what the fuck a fell is. Um, on the border between Finland and Russia. 
Its finished part is within Urhau Kakonan National Park in the municipality of Savukoski. In Finnish, the name Kurvantunturi means ear fell, referring to the mountain's distinctive profile. Okay. Very nice looking location. Um, about people living near that place who discover the secrets behind Santa Claus. The film is based on the 2003 short film Rare Exports, Inc. and its 2005 sequel Rare Exports, The Official Safety Instructions by Jalmari Hilanda and Juso Hilanda both of which involve a company that traps wild Santa Clauses and trains and exports them to locations around the world. So initially when I was watching this film, I was thinking, what is it called Rare Exports? And we do get the answer to that at the very end of the film. It's a mixture of Finnish language and English, which I always do find a little bit throws me, but I do think it makes sense because back in the back in the day or more often if you have a film set in a foreign location but it's an english language film there's always going to be that comment of why do they all speak with an english accent or an american accent or oh my god this british actor actor or american actor actress is doing an awful russian accent or finnish accent or whatever eastern european accent so you finglish my name is the hell says yeah that's that's pretty accurate um so you always kind of have that where it's like why are they sent the location when they're not speaking that language it's become a bit of a trope in the last well i thought it was more recently but this film was back in 2010 and i don't know about the shorts must you know either but where you have a mixture of languages in the film so People will speak English in certain parts and then speak the mother tongue for the majority of the film in other parts. And I guess it makes sense because if you have an English person speaking to an English person, person they're going to speak English. But then if you're in the foreign country, foreign, I say, to England, uh, such as Finland, the locals are going to speak in Finnish. So from a from a viewing perspective, it always throws me a little bit because I'm, if especially if it starts in English and then all of a sudden reading subtitles, uh... That always takes me out of it a little bit, um, but this 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 is pretty damn entertaining. It certainly lived up to the hype. Uh, Fran the can in the chat says the lad in this went on to start in Big Game with Samuel L. Jackson. I, the, I mean, the lad does a great performance in this. What I will say, what I would say is the lad was doing a a good a good performance to get on Santa's bad side. The amount of times he disobeys his dad. There's a moment where they've They've set a trap. To take the film a bit out of context here, but just to talk about the scene. They've set a trap, and first off, his dad said, you're not going out, you're not doing any skating, because you set like a trap in the in the chimney that almost took my face off, so you're grounded. Kid then just goes, well, I'm going outside because I need to pee. I guess they don't have toilets, so just piss on the ground. The kid notices that this trap they prepared has been, or his dad's prepared, has been tripped. And his dad comes out with his gun, and a number of times his dad says, stay back there, don't move, stay back there. And his kid just keeps walking behind him, keeps coming through. They get to another section, this meat factory, when he tells his son, look, you know, basically, he should have already said to his son, I grounded you earlier on, you've been grounded for a week, why are you still out? Tells his son to stay outside. Two seconds later, his son's come into the, uh, into the factory. Um, my God, he does not listen to adults. <laughs> Uh, but the, basically, yeah, an American and British research team from the firm Sub-Zero are taking drill core samples on top of 
EFL, I'll just say, I can't, I can't pronounce that, in the Finnish region of Lapland. It's believed to be the home of Julupuki, a figure in figure, Finnish folklore that helps shape modern-day versions of Santa Claus. Team leader Riley realises that the fell is an ancient burial mound built by the Sami sorry, to conceal and imprison something. Two local boys, Juso and Pietri, watch the team at work and eavesdrop on their discussions. They run to Juso's nearby snowmobile quarrelling about Santa Claus's existence as the team begins to excavate the fell using explosives. When they reach a glacier in the mountains, they find hundreds of reindeer carcasses. So this film is taking the idea that Santa Claus is real, the mythical figure of Santa Claus is real uh but he's not a nice guy that goes around treating children he's basically almost a creature that kind of wants to eat children um the santa clauses that we know are almost basically elves is my kind of takeaway from it um without kind of going too too much into it because if people haven't seen it i would recommend giving it a watch it's it's a fantasy action horror. It's light on the horror. There's a couple of deaths in it, but really it's more of an action film and a fantasy action film, I would say. Um, but it's a really good story. It's a really good story because we find out what is Santa Claus and that Santa Claus is real, but Santa Claus has essentially been imprisoned. Why imprisoned? And uh, what does it want with kids? to eat them basically um and who's been helping santa claus this whole time we get answers to that and it's all very quite interesting uh the the finale of the film maybe i kind of ruined a bit talking about the short films to an extent you know what rare exports are but it's definitely worth watching for how we get there and uh how santa clauses are exported worldwide it's just it's just a very interesting take i thought on on the santa claus tale um and it's definitely one worth watching for christmas just preface though that it is a mixture of the english is very light in it there's only a couple of moments of english dialogue for the most part it is a finnish film so subtitles or if you watched a dub version you know fair enough i found a can in the chat i think stories from other countries folklore can be interesting due to our unfamiliarity with them this and troll hunter are good examples yes troll hunter Trollhunter is definitely one worth a watch. Um, I don't. Know, I, I think we talked about that previously, where there's been talk for years of a sequel, and I know there's a new troll film on Netflix. As far as I know, it's unrelated. Um, but yeah, the whole concept of trolls we think of in in our countries as you know trolls, such as the the folklore creatures from you know J.R.R. Tolkien, or just Oh, trolls and goblins, you know, they're mythical bad guys. Uh, but they've got a completely different kind of meaning in a lot of other countries where they're uh, more rooted in their mythology. Uh, it was quite interesting. Always quite interesting. So I would say give this one a watch if you have not seen it. Now, the final film we are going to talk about today. Again, apologies if I've missed out any Christmas films. There's going to be a ton that I've missed out, no doubt. Uh, we've only got uh, a certain amount of time to talk about Christmas horror. I initially wasn't even going to include this film, but I, when I was uh, getting some images together, I saw it kept popping up, and I thought, well, yeah, okay, you know what? It is a decent Christmas horror film. And as with all these Christmas horrors, it's a black comedy, a black comedy uh, horror film. And that is the 1984 
um comedy horror black comedy horror directed by joe dante gremlins written by chris columbus starring zach gilligan phoebe cates hoyt axton polly holiday francis lee mccain and howie mandel providing the voice of gizmo oh really howie mandel okay uh the main mogwai character it draws on legends of folkloric mischievous creatures that cause malfunctions gremlins in the british royal air force going back to the world war ii uh the story follows a young man who receives a strange creature as a pet which then spawns other creatures who transform into small destructive aggressive monsters that all wreak havoc on a whole town on christmas eve the film was the center of large merchandising campaign and ops for black comedy balanced against a christmas time setting Steven Spielberg was the film's executive producer, with the film being produced by Michael Finnell. It was released theatrically on June 8th, 1984 by Warner Brothers to a critical and commercial success. However, it was heavily criticised for some of its more violent sequences. In response to this and similar complaints by Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Spielberg suggested that the Motion Picture Association of America alter its rating system which it did within two months of the film's release creating a new pg-13 rating it was followed by a sequel gremlins 2 the new batch in 1990 which has a more satirical tone and parodies of hollywood sequels to generally positive reviews from critics but it was a box office bomb i need a swig of water <laughs> so this is the film that gave us gizmo it's also the film that gave us Stripe and a whole host of these evil little gremlins. Um, was Corey Feldman in this? Yeah, he was. Eat Fontaine or Fountaine. Uh, so I always forget that this is a horror film, really. I think it's because I saw, like, like with a lot of these films, uh, I say these films, a lot of these kind of Hollywood films, saw the sequels first so that's what i always associate with first um i saw gremlins 2 a lot earlier than i saw gremlins um and so for me gremlins 2 it, as much as it's satirical it had some moments that i always associated a bit more with horror uh, i never liked spiders growing up and the spider gremlin always freaked me out but at the same point rambo gizmo i just thought was so cool so cute and then there's the flying um the flying um gremlin later on Whereas with this film, I guess it's less about the jokey, uh, over-the-top satirising, and it's a bit more of uh It's not straight-up horror, I could say. But there's a bit more threat level, I suppose you could say, with these, uh, with these gremlins. A lot more of the unknown. You get this really cute little creature you don't know anything about. It's been bought from this uh, uh, small, small... Um, asian shop and uh there's a clear set of rules got to follow them and he doesn't follow them and uh uh poor little gizmo spawns all these creatures that then turn into these murderous group the gremlins this is utilizing again that christmas setting but it, we got the it's kind of a bridge of the gap between some of the films we've talked about it's it's not directly relating to jolly old saint nick or krampus really um it's a film that's more set at christmas as the backdrop but as opposed to being the backdrop to something like a serial killer for silent night deadly night we've got something a little bit more fantastical now the zombie uprising you could say ah oh, well maybe that's a bit more possible than gremlins 
maybe, but this, that was also a musical, and musicals are impossible because random people don't know dance routines and song lyrics without rehearsals. <laughs> um, I'm starting to make a comment then. Um, but with, with Gremlins, we've got the fantastical mixed with the backdrop of... Uh, of Christmas, as you can see in the image on screen now, is the gremlins going carol singing. So they're already implementing their uh, their dark sense of humour, which what they kind of you know went went for uh, tenfold in the sequel. But this is one of those fun films. Um, it's an Amblin Entertainment film. Which does Amblin really do that much these days? There was a period where you really knew when a film was an Amblin film because it had that certain tone where it's like. There's a bit of dread, but it's not too much to be unsuitable for kids to watch. Um, excuse me. I'm apologising about these burps. Don't know where they're coming from. Um, so the production, they haven't actually done that many. Amblin did Gremlins, Back to the Future, An American Tale. God, I vaguely remember that. The Land Before Time, so it's basically more animatronics and uh animation animaniacs uh jurassic park and men in black huh I, that's, that is a lot less films than i thought that can't be right um maybe maybe i don't know maybe that's just films they uh there's a list of amblin entertainment films and amblin television of course. Uh, let's do my entertainment films. Oh, right, fucking hell. Okay, yeah. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. I don't know why I had that tiny little list, but uh, yeah, they've they've done a lot more than that. So they did Cats. Now, Cats is a musical, and I've seen a bit of Cats purely out of intrigue because everyone said how bad it is. I lasted barely 15 minutes of Cats because that was fucking awful. Um, okay, right. I've been completely sidetracked by looking at Amblin Entertainment. But yeah, Gremlins, we had Gremlins 2 followed up, which I don't believe was set at Christmas, and there's still talk of uh, a third film. Whether we'll get it, I don't know. I mean, stranger things have happened. We're getting that new Indiana Jones film that people have been praising and going crazy for. I watched the trailer. Nah. The trailer was very much like... Obviously, they've there's a lot of these kind of flashback scenes in it where they've done like a de-aging of Harrison Ford or they've imposed Harrison Ford's face on like a younger model. Um, for me, that just never really looks that good or convincing. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just because I, I saw the trailer on my phone. But I feel like I'm in the smaller group going, oh, that trailer to me doesn't look that good. But I've seen a lot of praise for it in our man. It's eliminating the stank of Crystal Skull. And now it's bringing back the good times for Indy. Uh, don't know. Uh, don't know. Uh, let's look at the chat. Uh, so arachnophobia. Oh, oh that's a good one. Baby Ice. Uh, Amblin was mostly Steve Spielberg's Robert Zemeckis flicks. Uh, legendary Dick Miller was in this too. Yes, he was. Starlift Murder in the first one. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Fran, I wonder if Christmas horror is popular because there are plenty of people not into the season. Hands up for that. Hands up for that. Um, so subverting it appeals to them. That's, that's quite possible. Fran, can it would explain why they are tinged with comedy and often don't have happy endings? That's a pretty astute analysis, actually. A lot of these 
Christmas horrors. Maybe it's just the ones that I've kind of picked on this list. But the ones that always stand out do have that tinge of, of, of comedy. I'm aware that there's probably quite a lot more. I mean, we certainly saw there's a big old list of Krampus films. They probably don't have much much comedy in them. And I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, Silent Night, Deadly Night was probably the exception to the list because there wasn't a lot there wasn't really any comedy in that that was more of a more of a straight up sort of slasher film and i imagine the sequels maybe maybe of a similar sort of tone but for the most part yeah they do have that element of horror not so happy endings uh so yeah i think you're on something there fran that's a good observation baby ice the trailer for indiana jones 4 looked great and that movie sucked i'm not excited for indiana 5 uh king of Fuckamundo. oh you got to <laughs> oh god yeah indiana jones 5 um i grew up with those films but i was never like an uber uber fan i i find them fun i've watched uh we watched raids of the lost art with some friends recently that came over to visit and i i had it on the background it's still a great film still a great film my favorite again i'm not trying to be a hipster here i'm not trying to be a try hard like the girl from uh christmas bloody christmas temple of the doom again it's the first indiana jones film i ever saw generally quite freaky in moments with the heart the hand going into the chest seeing things that look quite real that shouldn't be real was something as a kid that always kind of freaked me out when it's like kind of looks like he's actually putting his hand into his chest that shouldn't be possible um there's a lot of peril in that film and maybe it's because i'm more of a horror boy than an adventure boy but i loved temple of doom um and i know it's one that people are a bit less hyped on um fran i agree the indie trailer wasn't all that the de-aging effects didn't look very convincing to me no and i some some de-aging is done very well done very well um sometimes not though sometimes not so i wasn't that convinced with the indie trailer uh but that brings us to the end of tonight's show so again apologies if i've not mentioned your favorite uh your favorite christmas horror um Let's put some more Christmassy music on. That doesn't sound Christmassy. I can't be asked to talk over that. <laughs> I was going to do like a little uh, rounding up of the show leading into Christmas, but Christmas is still a couple of weeks away. And I can't be asked because uh, we're going we're to be here next week. Next week's show baby i forgot what's our homework this week you got no homework this week because it's it's christmas it's the time to uh not study although you got your own kind of homework to come up with your awards so baby eyes this brings me to next week's show next week is the our first annual ministry of horror ghoulies end of year awards um i'm gonna be curating my little list of uh some different categories for the best and the worst of the year i'm going to give you my best final girl my best movie villain best film uh i'm also going to give you the worst worst actor actress worst villain uh worst film a couple of other things effects good effects and all that sort of stuff but there is also going to be the community awards for best and worst film so i want people to put their selections uh dm me you can do that on the Discord if you're a member of the Discord. I'll just put a link of the Discord into the live chat. Copy that link, put it in the live chat. 
Um, Baby Eyes says, Oh, sweet. More time for Rawhead Rex. You watch that all you want. I'm not watching that crap again. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, pe people like it. People like it. you got to love Clive Barker. I, I really had high expectations for Rawhead Rex because I thought it sounded amazing. And for me, it, it wasn't for me. It was my political answer to that. Um... Yeah, Frank can watch something fun. That's that's the answer for the homework. Um, but yeah, in the Discord, my name is Tez Vipco in there. Alternatively, tweet me a, a DM, um, which is um, ministry underscore horror at ministry underscore horror or on facebook you can send me a hit messenger of uh well, i don't really look at messenger on there but uh, just tweet just tweet or or or, uh, or discord you'll be able to get in contact some way with your votes for your best film of the year and your worst film of the year uh and i'll put the i'll kind of put the ratings together to give out the community awards as well so it's an end of year award show I'm thinking potentially for the, the week after that, which is Christmas, New Year's week, the 27th, I may look at creating a like a, a best of of the year. Maybe. I don't know how many shows I've got recorded. <laughs> um, and it may just be a case of best of guests, and I take some sections of the various guests over this first year of Ministry of Horror. But I'm thinking of having the week off and just sort of editing a video and uh, having that go out because sometimes i need a week off <laughs> but this has been a lot of fun we are coming to the end of this first year i think this is episode 45 of the ministry of horace we're not yet at a full year of shows but it's uh, it's been a fun journey i thoroughly enjoy talking about horror and i hope you enjoy it as well um certainly one of my one of the things that i quite enjoy doing is looking at the new horrors for the week and hearing things that sound interesting and seeing if they meet or exceed expectations or fall far short of expectations as can be the case uh exactly baby ice in the chat winter break nothing wrong with that so coming up on the mos network turning years i think was last week so check that out um in in the audio platforms or also on on the youtube uh sunday show is pre-recorded but um pop it pop in and uh, and listen to it as per usual i'm sure there'll be the live chat running um it's the best of the year on the ministry of slam on sunday so you've got mine and lawrence's best of the year along with some mos alumni including i don't know i don't know if they've been announced so maybe i won't say anything if it's if it spoils it but there's a number of mos alumni uh, in there including well, this is i know this one has been mentioned uh including original mos uh one of the og mos hosts um martin martin so check that out that is on as per usual uh and then on twitch i'm thinking maybe i'll do some gaming on thursday i might do a bit more callista protocol because we didn't do any gaming last week and then on friday we will do another watch party um there seems to be a few decent looking horrors on there so again you know prime really ebbs and flows with what they have we watched one shite film which i selected i hold my hands up to that last week the uh, baboon film and then apartment one br was was very good which was the community vote so you know you guys redeemed it after my shite pick and stand against evil is always is always good fun sandwich of the year um it, it's your time franchise he can put in his his vote for a sandwich of the year yes martin mathers 
Martin Mathers is one of the many guests. Uh, another guest may well be in the live chat currently. I'm, I'm saying no more. You'll have to check out the show and uh, and see what we've got on there and who's on there. So that brings us to the end. Thank you very much for watching. Um, be sure to give the stream, if you're on YouTube, a like. Uh, be sure to give the YouTube channel a subscribe. Head over to twitch.tv forward slash tezzies and give me a follow. And if you want to subscribe, that's that's cool. That's entirely your choice. Uh, audio platform listeners, please give us a review. It really helps with the algorithms. Give us a score that you think is fair and also write a little review. That's always helpful. Helps with the charts. I think we always tend to hit into the, the top 100, top 50 for wrestling charts. I don't know about horror charts. I've no idea about that sort of thing. <sighs> I think that's the end. I think that's the end. Where's the credits? There's the credits. Thank you all for listening. Have a good evening. See you later.